So hopefully everybody has a, a comfortable seat. couple of little things just to address before we start discussing the practice. So um, in terms of needs that anybody may have to uh, contact anyone else or, or make any kind of call before the retreat's over with, I know that Scott needs to, and I know that Deborah needs to make one phone call on the weekend. Is there anybody else that foresees uh, any need to make any telephone call at all or anything like that before the end of the retreat? Uh, uh, because um, yeah. we noticed yeah. that uh, Saturday and Sunday uh, is Chinese New Year in Taiwan and China, just in case if you need to make a phone call to that, it's there, uh, you know, no one. Yeah. I have one question about tomorrow. Is my is my son's birthday? Can I just make phone call? When is your son's birthday? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh. Uh, and when do you, when were you wanting to call? Tomorrow. I, I don't mind. Whatever is you know, mm-hmm. logging. Just very sure. Okay. There there or is. Yeah. If you uh, if you do that, you'll have to walk out and walk down the road. There's no cell phone doesn't work here, mm-hmm. e- even though it'll show that you have bars. But your cell phone won't work here. Mm-hmm. But if you walk down to where the stop sign is and then around the corner uh, a ways, uh, so if you had to make that call, that's the only place you could make it, and it would be far enough away that. <laughs> Nobody would hear you. But seriously consider for yourself in terms of the impact it has on your practice and whether whether you think that uh, how important it, it is that you... Okay. okay. Is anybody else who has any kind of need like that? Good. All right. One other thing. There is a forecast for rain. So uh, we'll make it difficult for us to do Qigong outside. If it's raining, hopefully it won't rain in that time. And uh, can also uh, make it difficult for us to do the walking meditation outside. Um, I think for the walking meditation, if it's actually raining uh, and you can't walk outside, uh, we'll try to walk. uh, A number of people could walk just back and forth in here. Some people could walk just back and forth and under the covered area of the of this parking area right next to us. There's also uh, <coughs> um, some shelter both at the back and at the front of the house. So just and and there may be some space inside the house for a person to walk. So just do your best to find a place to do walking practice. Uh, you know, just do the best you can. Okay. All right. Raining, the Qigong we still can do indoor. Qigong, we could probably move the Qigong in here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but we'll, well, hopefully it won't be a problem. Hopefully it'll only rain during the sitting period. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you never know. One thing about life, nothing ever turns out the way you expect it to. So, 
So expect it to not turn out that way. <laughs> All right. I'd like you to become completely comfortable in your sitting position. And when you sit, uh, do your best to sit completely still for the entire period. This may not always be possible, and we'll, we'll talk about that, we'll come to that. But when you're sitting, keep your intention not to move, to remain completely still. So right now, become still, close your eyes. Settle your awareness into your body. Relax your body. Completely relaxed, your body supported by the earth, by the ground. Now this time, this time that you have made in your life to be here, this is a time that for these few days you're going to be free from the enslavement to the concerns of the world. You're going to be free from the imprisonment of all of your possessions and those situations that you have created for yourself that are always demanding to be attended to. Over this retreat, this is time completely for yourself. time for spiritual practice. A time for exploration and discovery of the nature of yourself and some sort of insight into life. When someone has been a slave for a long time, it becomes difficult to slow down because they are so used to hearing the crack of the slave master's whip. And you will be no different than that. As soon as you sit down and try to become calm, as soon as you slow down, 
the slave master is going to appear in your mind. And what you are enslaved to is all of these concerns, all of these worldly concerns, everything to do with your job and your career and your family and your home and your belongings and your business. your investments, your relationships, parents, children, everything. Just realize, just realize how you are constantly enslaved to taking care of the needs of all of those things. But right now is the chance to become free of that. But thoughts of those things will come up. And it will take a little while for the newly freed slave that you are to get used to the idea that you don't need to constantly stay in motion to take care of those things, to attend to those things. They've been set aside. This is your own time, the time for your spirit. You're going to be looking inward more than outward. Just feel yourself, your presence in this room, the walls surrounding you, the floor, the other people, the air. And then come into the awareness of your body, your skin, you're going to take a journey inside and then you're going to explore the boundaries between what's within and what is outside. Your skin is one kind of boundary your senses are another kind of boundary. Your sense of hearing. Even with your eyes closed, you're still connected to the world. There's the sound of that airplane, the sound of my voice. There'll be all kinds of sounds coming and going.
Those sounds and those sensations in your body, though, are happening in the present. They're not in the past, they're not in the future, and they're right here. The reality that you exist in at this moment is right here and right now. It has a, an inner part and an outer part. The inner part is the content of your mind. The outer part is your connection to the world through the senses. And this is going to be your entire concern for this next little while. You want to calm your mind, quiet your mind, be able to focus your mind. You want to have a mind that is clear, alert, awake, and fully aware. As I said, you're setting out on a journey of exploration. It's an adventure. You don't know what you're going to discover. Some of you may have meditated before. Some of you may have meditated for a long time. I know for some of you that this is new. But no matter how long you have meditated for in the past and how much practice you've done, You don't know what's going to arise, and you need to set aside any expectations so that you're completely open to whatever it is that you do learn and discover. So we're going to begin by learning to settle our minds, focus our minds, and to become alert and aware. For the first little while, we're going to be challenged by all of the different thoughts, the restlessness, uh, but that will pass. We'll perhaps experience uh, sleepiness, drowsiness, having stepped out of the busyness of the world and our lives, the first inclination may be to go to a deeper state of rest. And so we may have to deal with that for a little while, but that too will pass. And as we overcome any dullness, any drowsiness, as we become alert, aware, and more fully awake, with a mind that is not constantly jumping here and there and filled with all kinds of thoughts of times and places that have nothing to do with the present. Then we're going to commence the investigation of the reality that we really experience. 
Now bring your attention to the vicinity of your nostrils where the air is moving in and out with every breath. Just breathe completely naturally. Notice the sensations that are produced by the movement of the air in and out. Notice where those sensations are particularly clear. It may be just inside the nostrils. It may be just at the opening of the nostrils. It may be on your upper lip. It may be some combination of these. It may be a small area. It may be a larger area. It doesn't matter. But just explore those sensations that are produced by the air moving in and out. Notice where they are most easily discerned, where they are clearest, where you can perceive them most readily. These are the sensations that you're going to use to calm and train the mind. Bring your awareness once again to your whole body. Feel the stillness, the firmness, the solidity of being here in this place at this time. and your body breathes all by itself. We often describe this as meditating on the breath. But it's not really the breath we're concerned with. The body breathes all by itself. The air comes in and out. There's no need to make any attempt to control the movement of the air in and out. Whether it's strong or weak, deep or shallow, just let it be as it will, let it change. However it is though, there are these sensations that it produces. And this is the tool that we're going to use to settle the mind, to calm the mind of all of its frantic activities, to focus the mind and to develop our alertness and our awareness, our mindful awareness. Here you are in this place, in this time, the body breathes and your mind experiences the sensation of the breath.
follow the breath into or out of your body. Don't really be concerned about the breath, just those sensations that are produced where the air enters and leaves your body. There's the sensation of the in-breath and the sensation of the out-breath. There's a distinct sensation when the in-breath begins. series of sensations that continue after that until the in-breath ends. And then there is a distinct sensation as the out-breath begins. And they continue until the out-breath ends. going to find as you continue meditating on your own is that there's going to be many kinds of thoughts that enter your mind. All kinds of thoughts about the past, the future, things that are happening elsewhere, the sensations in your body, what am I doing? Why am I here? All kinds of thoughts. Sounds. Your mind's reaction to the sounds and the thoughts that come from that. This is normal. The first thing that you're going to discover is just how truly active your mind is. may not notice it so much right now while I'm guiding you. It will become evident later. And no matter how long you've meditated for in the past, you're going to experience that for a while before your mind settles down. But your mind will settle down. You're going to find, though, that some of these thoughts will capture your awareness to such a degree that you'll forget the sensations of the breath, that you'll forget that you're meditating. You become lost in that thought, and it may lead to another one, and that thought may lead to still another one, and then having forgot that you're meditating, some other completely different thought may come along. Somewhere in the process, though, you will awaken again to the present moment. You'll discover that your mind is wandering you'll realize that you've forgotten the meditation object, the sensations of the breath. Look forward to that. That's wonderful. When it happens, 
examine it. It's remarkable. It's a state of being awake that's different than the lostness that you experienced just a few moments before, before you awakened to the present, to what you were doing, to what you were intending to be doing. When that happens, just notice that, because that's the state of mind that you're wanting to preserve, that you're wanting to cultivate, that you're wanting to experience more often, that you're wanting to experience continuously. So having noticed that, and having been glad that it occurred, you gently bring your attention back to the, sort of the sensations of the breath. And you resume your attention on them, using them as an anchor to, continue to allow the process of calming the mind to continue. In doing so, try to stay in that state of fully present awareness. Over and over again, you may find that you forget the meditation object. Never be disturbed by that. Never become annoyed by it or feel that you failed in some way. It's completely normal. But if you keep bringing your attention back, and if you keep being pleased each time you've noticed that the mind wandering has occurred, that awareness is going to occur more often and remain. Mind wandering will become less and all of the thoughts that distract you will become less. It's all you have to do to overcome the forgetting and the mind wandering is just be pleased that you noticed and very gently bring your attention back to the sensations of the breath and then try to stay engaged with the sensations of the breath. Try to remain in fully in the present moment as much as you can. That's all you have to do. doesn't matter how many times you repeat the process. The results will come as a result of, uh, just simply as a result of repeating that process as many times as necessary. You'll find that your attention stays on the breath longer and the periods of mind wandering become shorter until ultimately you don't forget and the mind wandering doesn't occur. During those periods, before you've forgotten the meditation object, while you're still aware of the sensations of the breath, there will be other thoughts present in your mind. There will be other sensations in your body, sounds, and so forth. You'll be aware of these other things at the same time. That's all right. That's okay. You don't need to feel like you need to be able to stop your mind. You won't be able to do that anyway. But in those periods, when you're aware of the sensations of the breath, and you're also aware of those other thoughts and those other sensations, all you need to do is to always bring your awareness back to the breath 
If you find yourself paying more attention to some thought or some other sensation than you are to the sensation of the breath, when you become aware of that, just refocus your attention more clearly on the breath. Try to notice exactly when the in-breath begins and exactly when it ends. Try to notice exactly when the out-breath begins and exactly when it ends. Try to notice the little pause between the end of the in-breath and the beginning of the out-breath, and between the end of the out-breath and the beginning of the in-breath. By trying to make your awareness of those sensations clearer, by trying to cultivate that alert awareness, it will, you'll be less likely to be captured by other thoughts. So let's do that just for a few minutes here. Follow, that's called following the breath. So follow the breath closely. See if you can see the end of the in-breath as clearly as you can the beginning of the in-breath. See if you can clearly discern that pause between the end of the in-breath and the beginning of the out-breath and likewise between the out-breath and the in-breath. Control the breath, just let it flow naturally. At some point you may find yourself wondering what's so important about this breath that I'm trying to notice it every instant. What's important is the mind. The breath, the sensations of the breath, they're a tool that we're using for calming the mind, for learning to understand the mind, for attaining an ability for a much deeper, richer experience of reality, one that can carry over into every aspect of our lives. The activity of the mind, 
that seem to stand in the way of you keeping your attention on the breath is exactly what you need to become aware of, to notice, to discover the nature of. So this is the instruction for the sitting practice. When you sit down, become comfortable, settle into your body, relax your body, become still. Being fully aware of your body, then gather your awareness, your mindfulness, and place it firmly on this area that you have identified where the air moves in and out. And observe as clearly as you can these sensations produced by the breath. Whenever your mind wanders, be happy when you recognize that it's done so. Savor, just for a moment, the sensation of awakenedness that's associated with that awareness and gently bring your attention back. In those longer intervals where you remain aware of the breath, notice the other activities of the mind. Be aware how the mind behaves, the many different things that are presented to tempt conscious awareness away from the breath or that thrust themselves into the center of your awareness. Whenever that happens, in the same way, just gently but firmly bring your focus back to the sensations of the breath. Settle your mind again. Eventually, all of that other mental activity will begin to subside and you'll begin to experience calm and the quiet. That is the sitting practice. In terms of training your mind, there's two things. One is called concentration and the other is mindful awareness. Concentration means being able to deliberately, intentionally direct your mind to whatever you choose and to sustain your attention there for as long as you wish without interruption. Concentration also means being able to focus as narrowly or as broadly on whatever you choose to, just on a single source of sensation like this in your nose, or on your entire body 
or anything else. But to direct and sustain your attention and to control the degree of focus of the object that you entertain. That is concentration. The other thing that you want to train your mind in, mindful awareness, that is being awake, alert, experiencing whatever you attend to with vividness and clarity. Being aware when distraction takes place and resuming your focus. Being aware when dullness enters in and resuming your mindful alertness. This is how you train your mind. The second thing that you will be doing, in addition to training your mind in concentration and mindful awareness, is simply observing. Observing the nature of the mind. Observing the way the mind seems to resist this training. Observing the way when the mind comes around to being trained that calm, peace, joy, and happiness arise. Being aware of sensations and the nature of sensations and the mind's reaction to them. Ultimately, coming to be aware of what it means to be a conscious being, a conscious experiencing being, moment by moment. Come back into full awareness of the room and open your eyes. <coughs> Do you have any questions about the sitting practice? <coughs> yes? I have arthritis, so sometimes if my knee, I cannot cross leg, is that okay I sit in this position? Mm-hmm. With regard to that that's fine to sit in that position, any position. With regard to the position and posture for the sitting practice, you need to find the one position that will be most comfortable for you for the longest time and use that. And it doesn't matter what it is. You can meditate sitting on a chair, sitting cross-legged, Uh, sitting in a full lotus posture. You can meditate standing up, lying down, standing on your head, doesn't matter. Each of us has to find 
the position that works best for us. And if you have arthritis or any other problem, you need to take that into account. The idea of meditation is that uh, it is not to overcome unnecessary pain. There will be pain associated with sitting, and we'll talk about that in due course. But start off by trying to find the way of sitting that produces the least amount of pain, avoids any unnecessary pain. Now, when you've adopted a posture, sit, try to sit still for the entire period of the sit. The time to experiment with different postures is at the beginning of the next sit. You can adjust your cushion, you can try sitting in a different way, you can put a support under your knees, you can make these adjustments which can make your sitting more comfortable. But don't, don't spend your time during the sit trying to find the right posture. Just go with what you started with for as long as you can. When a pain comes, try to just disregard it, ignore it, and meditate on the breath. If it becomes so strong that you can't do that, then rather than interrupt your meditation practice, meditate on the pain. Place your attention on the pain. Make objective observations. Where exactly is it? How large is the location? Does it move? Does it expand or contract? Does it become more intense or less intense? What kind of pain is it? Is it sharp? Is it dull? Is it aching? Just examine it objectively, like something that you would hold in your hand and look at it with curiosity. Ask yourself, what is this pain? What is there about this sensation that makes it pain? Just meditate on the pain as much as you can. You might find that it ceases to be so disturbing. And if that's the case, go back to your meditation until, of course, the pain becomes a distraction once again. In this way, by using pain as a meditation object, it doesn't keep you from practicing. It just becomes a different meditation object. If you experience that the pain reaches a point where you feel like you can't stand it anymore and you have to move, that's all right. Become aware of that need to move. Take some time to meditate on that need to move, at least for at least for a few seconds or a minute or two, however long you can, be aware of this need to move that has arisen in your mind. And meditate on it. And then, when it's clear that you're going to have to move, you decide when to make a deliberate decision, decide how you're going to move, and then with complete awareness, make the move. So you make the move, and hopefully the pain goes away and you go back to meditating on your breath, you'll probably find that some other pain, either the pain comes back or some other pain appears. This is the experience that we commonly have in meditation, is that moving is really not a solution. Moving just causes a different pain to show up somewhere else. So if you, when you encounter pain in sitting, this is how to deal with it. Any questions? You will come to a point in your practice where, you, where, where the pain will not be a problem anymore. And you can experiment by adjusting your seat and your posture between uh, at the beginning of each new sit.
to see if you can find a better way. But don't expect to find a way where no pain is going to appear. When the body remains still, pain becomes apparent. And until you reach a certain degree of concentration, this will always occur. When you reach a certain degree of concentration, it won't occur anymore. When you concentrate, you won't notice any bodily pain. There's much to be learned from pain, so before (coughs) it disappears, take advantage of it. Learn what you can from it. Any other questions about the sitting practice? Everyone knows what to do? Sound like fun? One thing that you can do, when you, uh, that I encourage you to do, is each time you begin to sit, try counting your first ten breaths as a process of settling your mind. And if at a certain point you realize that you lost awareness of the breath, that there was some, uh, that some part of an in-breath or an out-breath that you missed, or a whole breath that you missed, let's start over with one again. Or if you lose a count, start over with one. You might have to start over a number of times before you get to ten. But see if you can remain continuously aware of the breath for ten breaths while counting. Now this doesn't mean absolute perfect awareness, and this doesn't mean there's not going to be other thoughts in your mind, because there are. It just means that you didn't lose, you didn't completely lose awareness of the breath. See if you can do that for ten breaths. It helps to settle the mind. If you do that every time you begin to sit, it conditions the mind too. So as soon as you start counting breaths, the mind starts to settle down. Once you have counted ten breaths successfully, cease to count. There's no advantage in counting past that usually. And now just follow the breath. If you're meditating and you find your mind becomes very, very agitated and that you just it just is going all over the place, you might try counting the breath at that time to help settle the mind. Yes. I'd like to understand better how to cultivate the the fourth factor of awakening, joy or uh, refreshment. I've heard it called. I've heard that you can do that by making your breath um, more calm and so on. Um, How would you recommend doing that? Uh, The meditative joy or or PT we're talking about here, uh, that arises with unification of mind. What you will discover, and remember, meditation is really about discovery, it's, it's not about the sensations of the breath. What you're going to discover is your mind is not one thing, but rather there is a whole collection of mental processes taking place simultaneously. Uh, and this is what you refer to as your mind. And we think of it as though it's one thing, which it's not. It's a collection of processes that take place simultaneously. We also think of it as ours, and it's really only your mind in the sense that you're stuck with it. But um, uh, you will discover that you don't have very much control over this mind that you call yours. But you can train it. That's the wonderful thing about it. Now. Unification of mind means when all of these different mental processes 
start to work together in harmony and cooperatively towards the same goal. The initial agitation that you experience on meditation shows you the nature of what's happening. Different parts of your mind are going many different directions. One part of your mind is all worried about how your body feels. Some other part of your mind is thinking different thoughts. There's a part of your mind that wants to do this, and some other part of your mind that may not want to do this, and some other part of your mind may doubt that you're able to do this. And There's all these different parts, but when you've got all these different parts of your mind starting to line up and starting to work together, that's what we call unification of mind. There, as the mind enters into a state of calm, peace, and internal harmony, then there will spontaneously arise a feeling of joy and happiness. And you may experience it at any time, even even before you've reached really strong concentration, at any stage in the practice. And by the way, you all have a handout describing the ten stages in the development of concentration. So that's what I'll be referring to when I talk about stages. At any stage in the practice, your mind can coalesce into a state of unification at any time for a few seconds or a few minutes and you'll experience that, that uh, joy and happiness, that peace and joy and happiness. It may be strong or it may be weak. But the way to cultivate it is to bring about, through training of the mind, a sustained and very profound unification of mind. When, when the attention becomes single-pointed, when you no longer have to constantly guard against uh, other thoughts and the arising of dullness, you'll find that a very strong joyfulness arises when there's this effortless concentration. Now, what happens, what you'll notice too, is that as you meditate, as the mind begins to calm and as your concentration improves, your breath naturally becomes finer and slower and calmer. Okay. Deliberately trying to breathe in a slow and calm way will not produce either concentration or happiness. It will probably just result in a sensation of trying to control your breath. So the, uh, the, the meditative joy that you're talking about is associated with a calm breath but both result from the same cause rather than the calming of the breath becoming the cause or, or being the cause of the meditative joy. There are two things that happen as a result of the same thing. Yes? So, what does it mean um, when I think, is it the Anasapati Sutta says breathing in, calming breath, or, or uh, bodily fabrications, breathing out, calming? Then Calling the bodily formations. Formations, sorry. Okay, that is. Uh, you you have been calming the mind and actually calming the the bodily formations are actually referring to all all of the sensations by which we have an awareness of the body. There is a, an erroneous and rather silly interpretation of uh, uh, those lines that you'll come across in certain writings. Um, that uh, calming the bodily formations means uh, calming the breath. And the lines that come before that say uh, experiencing uh, the whole body means experiencing the body of the breath. Um, now these are 
these are misinterpretations that are unfortunate because <laughs> they can be confusing. But calming the bodily formations means uh, achieving that state of uh, withdrawing the awareness from bodily sensations like pain and things like that, reaching a profound state of calmness. Um, I'll just explain for your benefit that the reason that there is this erroneous understanding of these lines is that there's two other places in the sutras where somebody explains uh, the meaning of the term bodily formations. And the breath, the sensations of the breath, is given as an example of the bodily formations, but it has been misinterpreted that the breath is the bodily formation. But, I mean, logically, does that make sense to you that the breath is a bodily formation? (laughs) And and if the breath is the bodily formation, then how come the Buddha never ever talks about anything else to to take the place of the meaning of the body and the sensations? I'm sorry, but um, so this calming happens spontaneously as a result of the process you were talking about earlier. It's not something that you do, correct? Uh, That's right. As a matter of fact, Almost everything that it seems like you do, it's an illusion that you do it. But you create you. What you do is, through your intention, you create the conditions so that it can happen. So the calming of the mind is something that comes about by itself, as you create the conditions for it too. Uh, and uh, for example, you find that there are many different thoughts and awareness of sounds and awareness of bodily sensations and your awareness of the breath, all present in your mind at the same time. So the mind is anything but calm, right? But what you do if you keep bringing your attention back from any of those distractions, we'll call those, uh, uh, if they're in the background, if your focus is on the breath and they're in the background, we'll call them subtle distractions, but when they begin to capture your awareness, we would call them a gross distraction. So whenever there's a gross distraction, if you keep, if, if, if whenever one of those subtle distractions becomes a gross distraction, if you keep returning your attention to the breath, that creates the condition for those distractions to disappear. So you keep repeating that, and after a while, the thoughts will slow down. There'll be fewer and fewer. The uh, uh, you you will have less and less awareness of bodily sensations and sounds and things like that. So you create the conditions for the calming of the mind, you create the conditions for the calming of the bodily formations. You create those conditions by simply continuously returning to the meditation object. The effect is if, we, if you accept my description of the mind that is consisting of many different mental processes, there's the one mental process that, that you're conscious awareness is primarily concerned with the observation of your breath. These other processes are competing for mindful awareness in the same way that uh, a parent, while engaged in an important task, may have many children who keep trying to uh, gain their attention. But if the parent continues to remain focused on the task and to disregard the children, they become bored and they go off and entertain themselves elsewhere, and, they, and the distraction disappears. 
This is how you create the condition for calming of the mind and for calming of the bodily formation, is by diligently always redirecting the attention away from the distractions and back to the meditation object. That creates the conditions for the distractions themselves to subside. The calming of the bodily formations is a result of continuously disregarding uh, all the sensations that uh, uh, from the body that would continuously create sources of distraction. When the mind becomes unified, because uh, there is not such a constant stream of thoughts, and when there is not the diversion of attention to, to pains and itches and sounds and things like that, then that unification of the mind results in the arising of uh, meditative joy and happiness. So the very next lines in the Anapanasati Sutra, which come after calming the bodily formations, he breathes in, the calming the bodily formations, he breathes out as a means of training himself. The very next line are experiencing joy, he breathes in, experiencing joy, he breathes out, experiencing happiness, he breathes in, experiencing happiness, he breathes out. This is referring, uh, this, this is telling you what happens and the order in which it happens. So. so, you don't need to worry about calming your breath. Very good question, very important. Your breath will calm itself. And actually, if you get into the idea that you are responsible for calming your mind, you will become frustrated because your mind won't be calm. But if you keep in mind that the only thing that you as doer are really capable of doing in your mind, and I'll tell you this, but I want you to discover it for yourself, that the only thing that you can really do is generate the intention to redirect the attention back to the meditation object. But that's all you need to do. If you keep redirecting your attention, if you keep sustaining your attention as long as you can, and if you keep arousing as vivid and clear a mindfulness as you can, if you exercise those intentions, everything else follows by itself in the most remarkable and uh, amazing way. But the good thing about it is it takes all of the burden off of you for feeling responsible for it happening and feeling like you're at fault if it doesn't happen. This is very important. Okay, It will take care of itself. The wonderful thing about the practice is you just you do these very simple things and the result is obtained. And some people it takes a little longer, some people it happens a little more quickly. No need to blame yourself if it takes a little longer and don't delude yourself by praising yourself if it happens more quickly. <laughs> it just happens by itself. Any other questions about the sitting practice? Okay. I'm going to speak to you a little bit about the walking practice then. All right. And uh, I will demonstrate. When you're doing walking meditation, always 
step one foot at a time. When we walk normally, even before we finish the first step, the other, the heel of the other foot is coming up. When you're doing walking meditation, there is this one very important difference. This step is completed before this step begins. And this one's completed before this one begins. No matter whether you're walking slowly or quickly. Walking meditation is one step at a time. Walking meditation is not so strictly limited in its focus as sitting meditation. You can do a very, very focused walking meditation, but you can do one that has a much broader focus. And you can walk slowly and you can walk quickly. You're doing walking meditation correctly if as long as you remain completely in the present moment, in the here and now. You are deviating from the walking meditation when your mind is in the past or in the future. And so your task is to become aware of that and to bring your mind back to the present moment. Or if your mind is somewhere down the road or around the corner, to bring it back to here and now. So that is, that's really the essence of walking meditation. Now we'll go into the refinement of it. You can do a very, very focused walking meditation. And I very much like to do this meditation this way uh, a lot of the time. Uh, and you'll probably as well. You may want to work your way up to this one. But in doing the walking meditation, Go slowly enough that you can very clearly discern the sensations. And each step has three main parts to it. There's a lifting, and then there's a moving, and then there's a placing. There's a lifting, the moving, and the placing. The lifting, the moving, and the placing. Three parts to it. Each of those three parts can be, in turn, divided into three. And it's up to you how you divide these. But this is how, when I walk, I divide uh, the lifting into three. First, my heel comes up. And then the rest of the sole of my foot comes up. That's the second part. And then my toes leave contact with the ground. That's the third part. You can divide the lifting of your foot in, in, in a different way. It doesn't matter. The moving, I divide it into the raising and the moving and the lowering. The placing, when I'm walking very slowly, usually the first part of my foot comes down first. And I regard, I regard that as the first part of the placing. And then the rest of my foot comes down, and that's the second part. And then my body weight shifts onto that foot. And I call that the third part. You can do it your way. You don't have to do it my way. But with each step, there's these three parts that I can discern for the lifting, the moving, and the placing. And when I'm doing slow walking meditation, 
I will have all my attention focused on the soles of my feet, and I will notice as many different sensations as I can in the first part of the lifting as the heel leaves the floor. And then I will notice the different sensations that occur as the rest of the sole of my foot leaves the floor. And then I will notice the sensations as my toe leaves the floor. And I will become familiar with those sensations. Maybe three, four, five different sensations in each of those parts. And I will notice them clearly over and over again with each step. I will notice that they come to be aware, and at first it may not be evident when you do this, but if you practice observing very carefully, you'll notice that the sensations on the shoulder of your foot when you're raising it are different than when you're moving it, and it's different again when you're lowering it. It may seem surprising, but they actually are. There is a movement, there's gravity, there's air, there's the amount of time that your foot has been away from the ground. All of these things produce their own different qualities of sensation. So there is almost no limit at all to the variety of things that you can become awareness, aware of. Likewise, there's many different sensations. There's the first contact and the increasing pressure and the sensation of, of the change in temperature as my foot contacts the floor. Same thing with the rest of my foot. And then the pressure, the pressure changes, I shift my weight. So there's all sorts of sensations that I can walk, watch in a single step. So the most focused way of doing walking meditation would be in that way. Very, very slowly, observing all of these sensations, becoming familiar with all these sensations, examining them, shifting your attention then to the other foot, doing the same thing over again. Uh, my meditation teacher, in helping me to learn to do this, insisted that on the, in the interviews that I come and be able to describe in detail at least three different sensations in each of the three parts of uh, each of the three phases of moving. So that forced me, you know, it's like going to like an examination. So I had to have the answers when I went to the exam. And so uh, I walked walking very carefully and trying to decide well exactly what are the sensations and how to describe them. It's a good way to do it. So that's one way of doing the walking meditation. It brings you into a very, very strong state of mindful awareness. To be aware of all those different sensations and not lose any of them. And then when you get good at it, what you can do is you can start to walk more quickly see if you can be aware, not miss any of the same sensations. Now that you've studied it, you know, all of them are there. See if you can catch every single one of them as you walk more quickly. <laughs> it's just a way of, of further increasing the power of your mindful awareness. That's one way to do walking meditation. The opposite way of doing walking meditation, sort of the other end of the spectrum, the most sort of open, relaxed, is you're just using the sensations of the soles of your feet as your anchor to keep bringing yourself back to. And you're just, you're still stepping one step at a time. Step, 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 step. You can walk quite a bit faster this way. But you're observing the sensation in the soles of your feet primarily. 
Now your eyes, your ears, your eyes are open, your ears are basically open, and body's feeling all kinds of sensations. And you allow that to happen. It's not like you're trying to shut anything out. You're just using the awareness of the soles of your feet as 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 the anchor to keep you in the present, in the here and now. Because when you're this open, it's really easy for your mind to go anywhere. So those sensations are just holding you into the present moment. And then what will happen, you're walking along like this, and you're looking around, and something will catch your eye. When that happens, just stop. Experience the seeing. Just experience whatever it is you're looking at the seeing. You know, it's it's bright or it's colorful or there's something about the shape. So just experience the seeing of it. Experience the mind, how the mind is drawn to it. And then as you look at it, the mind will lose its interest in that. Then you can go ahead and you can become aware of the other things that you, you see. Just become aware of the process of seeing. After you've explored that for a few moments, then you can just go back to walking. And then there might be a sound that you hear. Stop. Put all of your attention into your hearing. What was that sound? Notice that when there's a sound that it like it leaves a sort of reverberation in your mind. And then your mind searches through its all of its labels and concepts and identifies what if it can what that sound is. Oh, it's the sound of a car, or oh, it's the sound of a bird, or oh, it's the sound of a bell, or whatever it happens to be. And then experience hearing, and just notice that, look at all, and just observe all of the different things that are present in hearing in a given moment, and realize that a moment ago you didn't know those existed. It wasn't until you put your awareness into hearing and expanded it beyond the one thing that you were listening to that you became aware that there's all kinds of things. You're walking along and you may feel uh, a coolness or a warmth on your skin. You may experience it as pleasant or unpleasant. But if it draws your attention, stop and just experience the, the, the feeling of uh, that sensation of your skin. And then experience your whole body. Take a moment to experience all the feeling of the weight of your body and your spine, the tension in the muscles in your legs holding you up, the contact of the clothing against your body. Experience that. And then go back to walking. So that's it. And you can... You can practice the walking meditation anywhere in between those. And you, the, the walking meditation primarily develops really strong mindful awareness. Because it's about, it's about the vividness of perception. It's about the clarity of perception. It's about really being there, consciously aware of what are the sensations that are arising. So whether you're doing very, very slow walking or whether you're experiencing through the hearing and the feeling and everything else, you're really cultivating a powerful mindful awareness. At the same time, you'll notice that you're being pretty concentrated too. You're always directing your attention back to the present moment. And you can determine for yourself whether walking more slowly or whether walking more quickly or whatever seems to be most appropriate. Although sometimes in the interviews I may suggest that, that you do one form or another particularly because it seems to fit better with, with what's happening, with what your needs are at the moment. In walking meditation you can, your awareness can go 
to things other than uh, bodily sensations and, and, and hearing and sight. You will notice in association with the things that you see and feel and hear uh, uh, that there's a, a, an experience of either pleasantness or unpleasantness or neither. This is something that you can practice awareness of as part of walking meditation. You will notice that there are, uh, that your mind reacts in different ways to these things. You can become aware of that as well. You can notice the concepts that arise. Uh, just as in sitting meditation, you will have thoughts. Maybe, maybe you'll have a lot of that thoughts, or maybe there will be only a few, but there will be thoughts from time to time. And what you want to do is try to have the experience that the thought, the arising of the thought is happening in the present moment. The content of the thought is probably not. <laughs> and so you don't want to get caught by the content. But the arising of the thought is in the present moment. And so a part of the walking meditation can be the observing of the nature of the thought and how the thought arises and how the thought passes away. And quality of the thought. So there's many, many things you can do in walking meditation. So it's much broader. Any questions about the walking practice? Yes. Can you <clears throat> elaborate a little bit on uh, observing a thought, how, how you would do that without getting lost in it? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, it, it takes a little bit of practice, but you'll get the knack of it. But first of all, it's, you can't really do that when, the, when, it's, when there's a, a flood of thoughts coming, you know, uh, one after another and simultaneously and everything else. It's, uh, you know, in a waterfall, it, it's, it's, just a, it's just all turbulence. It's hard to pick out any aspect of it. But then on, uh, on a, a, a calmer uh, river, you can pick out the individual ripples and you can follow a ripple. You can see it arise and see it pass away. So you do have to wait until the... The, the arising of thoughts in your mind has passed the flood stage and is, is down to, you know, uh, a slower process. And then uh, the first stage is just discovering for yourself what the difference is of, of being caught in the thought and not being caught in the thought. And um, rather than, you know, uh, it, 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 it's not that difficult to discover. You'll become clearer. You may need to investigate a little bit, and you realize that there, that uh, there's always some vestige of awareness of the content of the thought. But there's a difference between having some kind of awareness of the content and being caught by the content, and that that's something that you can explore. And then once you've discovered that, then you can practice being able to observe the thought uh, without being caught in it. One thing that you will find about thoughts in general, whether you're observing them in this way or not, is that thoughts arise spontaneously. But when they arise, any thought arrives with only so much energy to sustain it. And when that's exhausted, the thought disappears. But the attention that you place feeds energy into the thought. So that when you become 
as, as soon as you start to feed energy into the, th- into the thought by becoming uh, caught by the content, the thought will be sustained and it'll go on and on and on. Whereas if you can learn not to do that, you just see the thought arising, then you can watch the thought pass away. Watching the thought pass away is a, is a wonderful, it's a wonderful trick and it's a wonderful skill. You know, you'll know when you're able to do that, you, you, have, uh, you have succeeded in refining your practice in, in an important way. So, and there's much to be discovered about the nature of impermanence through watching thoughts pass away. It's much easier to watch thoughts arise than it is to watch thoughts pass away. <laughs> and most of that, what you'll notice too, is most of the time what your reaction is, if you have the intention in your mind that, well, I'm going to meditate, I'm not supposed to think thoughts, that uh, as soon as you become aware of a thought, you'll try to shut it off, or you'll turn away from it, or you'll push it away, or something like that. Um, but you don't need to do that. You know, that's, that's the natural reaction. And, of course, when there's a lot of thoughts and you're trying to calm the mind, you do want to turn away from the thoughts and turn, turn, redirect the attention to the sensation of the breath. But um, at some point you'll find that you no longer need to, to be avoiding thoughts like they were, uh, they, they were fire or something. You know, and then you can just observe the thought and watch it arise and pass away. Good question. Okay. Any other questions about when yes. you practice the uh, walking meditation? Mm-hmm. What's the main focus on your mind? What what was the object of the concentration? Okay, the, the object of the attention is the sensations of the breath, and that's what you're always returning to. To whatever degree of detail is appropriate to to uh, your practice in the moment and what you need in order to remain engaged. So uh, you may start examining them in uh, the sensations of breath in more and more detail, like the beginning of the in breath and end of the in breath, and then start filling in, noticing all the different sensations that come between the beginning and the end and noticing the pause. Uh, and then beyond that, you can start noticing is the in-breath longer or shorter than the out-breath, or vice versa? Is the pause between the in and the out-breath longer or shorter than the out and the in-breath, or vice versa? Then you can start noticing, do they change? Is this breath longer or shorter than the last breath? Uh, is the pause between the in and the out-breath changing? As it w- was one longer and the other shorter and now? Now they've reversed and things like that. You can keep, to the degree that you need something to help you to keep closely focused on the breath, and you want to be, you know, it, it, you want it to be a close focus, not you know just a vague awareness off in the distance. You want it to be really clearly focused. You can, you can uh, strive for more and more detailed awareness, but. What will happen over time is, first of all, your mind is going to become trained so it rests more easily on the sensations and you don't have to uh, constantly be challenging yourself just to, just to stay with it. The other thing that will happen is that you will become so familiar because of the time you spend 
uh, using a detailed examination of the breath in order to help you remain engaged with the breath and to avoid the, the mind wandering, you will have become so familiar with the details of the breath that you're aware of even subtle changes, but it's not the same. You don't need to be trying anymore. You know, when you look at a human being, you don't have to think about and analyze to decide which part is the head and which part is the hand and so forth. You just, you know, it's automatically there. And so at some point, your familiarity with the breath becomes such that you you know if this breath is longer or shorter. Um, You know if the coolness that was there at the beginning of the in-breath is is, uh, uh, stronger or or less strong than it was before. It's just so much familiarity is there. Uh, And at that point, the observation becomes very easy. And the only thing you're doing is you want to maintain a level of mindful awareness. You don't want to seek into dullness. So you're very, very familiar with the sensations of the breath and you're just remaining aware so that you can detect if you're starting to lose that clarity and, and sink into dullness. Does, does this answer your question? How does it apply to the walking meditation? What's that? Walking, walking meditation. Walking. Walking? Uh, same thing. That, um, the, uh, well, oh, the question you're asking, the object of the walking meditation. Okay, the, the, is to stay completely in the here and now to control uh, or, or I shouldn't say control because it has connotations, but to to always make the object of your attention be deliberate, you know, to, to be intentional, so that rather than your 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 attention is moving by itself, you are always intentionally directing and controlling your attention. So that's the object. The sensations of the sole of soles of your feet are what you always come back to. You know, when whenever you need something as an anchor, or whenever whenever you're not say actively investigating some other kind of sensation, you always come back to the sensations of the soles of your feet. Does that answer the question? Sorry, I, I thought you were asking about the breath, and you asked about what. <laughs> But gave me a good opportunity to talk about the breath, right? Mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> okay, other questions about walking, sitting, or any other aspect of the practice? Well, it is time for us to have lunch, and we'll come back and we'll do uh, three, three uh, sessions of sitting and two sections of walking in between. All right.